It's time to find out the stories behind the stories. Welcome to Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective. Get ready for some amazing guests, along with Nick's own expertise and insight behind some of today's top news in sports. The where, why, and how. Now, here's your host, Nick Ferguson. Nick Ferguson, Secondary Perspective. Thank you for being here with us this Thursday. Wild week, last week. From college sports to the NFL, a lot of uh, shockers. I don't know about you guys, but uh, I'm looking pretty good right now as far as my week one prediction. So I'm going to roll that over into uh, week two and see if I can duplicate that same level of production. But just to kind of go back for a second and talk about a couple of games and some, you know, pivotal games, especially when you talk about the division race and how things are going to shape up later on in the season. And I, and I truly believe this. When you face a division rival, when you look at the win-loss column, it, it, it counts as one. But in the division, is for me, it's like two games because that's, determining whether you win the division, whether you're playing in wild card Saturday or Sunday. So those division games actually win. Because remember last year we saw uh, the Panthers and what was a poor, I mean, poor deficient NFC South, you know, win the division with 7-8-1 and one record. So the idea is before you get into the playoffs, you have to win your division. And some teams uh, started on, on the right foot uh, to doing that. And the ones that come to mind is, is that Giants-Cowboys game. I mean, wow. I mean, the Giants go up and I believe they have like a 10-point lead. The Cowboys come back. And now the Giants are sitting on three points, right? They get the two-minute warning with that timeout. That kind of plays in the favor of the Cowboys. But then after that, you're right there on the doorstep, knocking on the door. And you can't really punch it in. And you have to settle for three, which now you, you didn't score seven. You kick the field goal. You give the ball right back to Tony Romo. And they just drive the ball down the field. Now, mind you, there's no Des Bryant. Now, you have to wonder how that's going to affect the Cowboys moving forward, especially within within a division, because, I mean, you got to win in your division to get in. And now those same Cowboys have to face and go on the road and face the Philadelphia Eagles, another team that, that is coming off a difficult loss on Monday night to Atlanta, but we, we'll get into that. But he – Romo, and I've said it on the show before about the Tony Romo effect. You know, the fact that playing well throughout the game and it's just that one play you make that turns the ball over in that situation. That's the Tony Romo effect. That's for any quarterback. That's for anyone. But he drives them down the field. Like like a clutch quarterback is supposed to. And Eli, Eli Manning is considered to be a very clutch quarterback. But Romo drives them down, throws the winning touchdown pass to Jason Witten, and now the Giants are left to ponder, well, did we use clock management right? Did we utilize our play calling well? And at the time I was wondering, was it Eli Manning or Ben McAdoo, the offensive coordinator, that chose to run the ball instead of passing it? And we saw something similar to that in the Super Bowl earlier this year when the Seattle Seahawks was right there on the two-yard line and elected to pass the ball instead of giving it to uh, Marshawn Lynch. And and it was kind of nostalgic for me. I'm just like, if you have an opportunity, you have offensive weapons, and teams work on red zone offense. You, you, you work on all those kind of special 
categories or situations they like to call it throughout the week. And you're trying to tell me you didn't have a better play call. And and now Eli's like, hey, you know, maybe it's my fault uh, that I didn't do the right thing at that particular time. But to me, you can't, you can't, you can't blow that call. You can't. You have to push the ball in the end zone. And Rashad Jennings was saying, hey, listen, he told me, and he being Eli Manning, not to really go into the end zone. And we saw the Giants do this before when they were playing the Patriots in the Super Bowl. And Amar Bradshaw was the running back. And instead of running into the end zone and scoring and giving the Patriots the ball back with uh, some marginal time on the clock, you can see him running towards that goal line and oh, 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 indecisive. And he fell at the one yard line. And, and maybe that's what Eli was thinking about, trying to duplicate that, that same type of scenario to limit the amount of time that a, an offensive team has. And you got to be great. And we always hear about the two-minute offense, but you got to be great at the four-minute offense. And what I mean by that is you have to be able to take the time off the clock, milk the clock. Rashard Jennings was doing a great job on the ball, running the ball, that is, and the offensive line did a great job maintaining their blocks, giving him lanes to run in. But if you strategically move the ball down the field, taking time off the clock. You don't have to worry about that. I mean, they had successfully done that up until that point. So what you do is you capitalize off of a drive like that by putting it in the end zone, scoring those points. Now you really put the pressure on Tony Romo. Now they have to be efficient moving the ball down the field. And that's hard for a team to go – 90 yards down the field without making a mistake, that's hard. But once again, to Romo's credit, he got the ball out of his hands, some quick passes to Cole Beasley, uh, Terrence Williams, two guys now who are going to have to step up for the Dallas Cowboys, knowing as though Des Bryant is out with the Jones fracture in his foot that requires surgery. So I think that's about three uh, three to five weeks with that injury. So those guys are really going to have to step up and, you know, we can expect to see more of Jason Winton in that particular uh, situation. And Gavin Escobar, uh, the other tight end, who I think is a, a, a great tight, tight end. And, and maybe they could probably flex him out and get maybe one of those linebackers outside the box to run the ball with Joseph Randall, who I thought did a decent job. And even Darren Fadden came in that game against the Giants and, and showed some, some, some flashes. So, the Cowboys have some pieces. They definitely have some pieces. But they're on a roll in Philly, which, which raises the question. Rivalries in sports, is it still there? Do players really care? Or is it more or less the fan base? Does it mean more to that fan base? I, I don't know. No, we'll, we'll discuss that. Uh, later on, but we were all waiting to see what was going to happen between Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota. Uh, Mariota did one heck of a job, but here's his coach, Coach Winsenhunt, talking about his quarterback and his quarterback's performance. Statistics right now. I mean, that's all. That's great. You know, I know, obviously, from CNN that there's a couple of things that haven't been done before. He and Fran Tarkington are the only ones that have thrown um, that number of touchdown passes. But that's great, and it's great for him and his legacy. And uh, he's certainly deserving of that. But uh, I didn't really, haven't really thought about it. Well, when you look at what Mariota was able to do, uh, especially those who follow fantasy footballs and fantasy football owners, and the three quarterbacks, Tom Brady, Carson Palmer, who, who both Tom Brady had 27, Carson Palmer had 25 for his fantasy points in week one, uh, Marcus Mariota was third with 24. I mean, that says a lot 
for a guy in his first week as an NFL quarterback, facing off against another Heisman uh, Trophy winner. And, and the question was coming in about Marcus Mariota was whether he could play from under center. And he, from under center, he was 3 of 6, 33 yards and two touchdowns. Playing in a shotgun, 10 of 10, 176 yards, two touchdowns. So maybe look at his numbers as far as being on the center, three or six, only 33 yards. Okay, well, we can pick here, pick that apart if we want to. But I think for me, watching him early on, and it's, for, and it's only the first game. It's only the first game. So we're not going to go too high and not to go too low. But I think he did a great job. I was really impressed with how he moved the ball. He was really patient. Uh, he let the game come to him. He, he went through his reads. Uh, he handed the ball off to Bishop Shanky, who every quarterback needs some form of a running game to take the pressure off him. But I thought he did a great job. He, he put a lot of touch uh, on his ball. His ball placement was real important. Uh, Kendra Wright, I mean, he, he put the ball right on his body and allowed him to run with the ball. And as a quarterback, veteran, or rookie, that's something that you definitely want to do is give your receivers an opportunity to have that run after the catch. And that that was a, a great job. And 42-14 victory over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But now Tennessee Titans now have to travel to Cleveland. And Cleveland is having some issues of their own. Uh, Josh McCow went out against the Jets with a concussion injury as he was trying to dive and extend himself across the goal line for a Browns touchdown um, knocked in the head and left the game uh, with a concussion. So now, once again, week two, you know, we have another Heisman Trophy winner. Johnny Menzel now faced up with Marcus Mariota. But to me, it, it's going to be the same same result. Uh, Johnny Menzel comes in, and, and he did a great job, I thought, running with the ball when the pocket started to break down against the Jets. But it just, once again, is that problem because you can be a very athletic quarterback in this league. And your mobility helps you extend plays. And you scramble to throw down the field instead of scrambling to run. But it still comes down to throwing a ball in the vertical passing game. That's the one thing why Tim Tebow didn't last even though teams continue to get him shot after shot. But you have to be able to throw the ball. And last week, Travis Benjamin did a great job both in special teams and out wide against the Jets. So I guess we'll see a lot of Travis Benjamin uh, in in this game. Uh, But the problem for this Cleveland Browns team seems to be, and, and it goes back to training camp. And it was the run game. You got Sean Drone, Isaiah Crowell, and Duke Johnson. Now, you added Robert Turbin from the Seattle Seahawks, but they got to get the ground game going. I mean, when you have that ground game going, now you have balance. Forget what everyone says about this whole elite quarterback to win ball games. You, you need to have balance. And Johnny Manziel is going to need some balance to take the pressure off of him. I know this that, that defense, that Cleveland Brown defense, is going to be better. They have talent on that side of the ball. I'm not that worried about them. But over the past couple of years, it's always been the offensive side of the ball. Where's the production going to come from? Yes, you have Dwayne Bro. Uh, yes, you have Brian Hartline. We need some guys that can stretch the field. And can Johnny Manziel get it to him? Can our offensive line hold up and give him enough pressure to get the ball down the field? You know what? I don't think so. I really don't think so. I think they're going to take the same philosophy, uh, defensive strategy, as they did against Jameis Winston. Uh, Put more players in the box and rush more players than they can block. Put that pressure on Johnny Manziel to be accurate. Force him to run between those A-gaps. Make those edges solid. Don't allow anything to get outside of you. He can't get out side and cannot break contain. If you allow a guy like Johnny Manziel with his athletic ability to get outside the pocket, 
Now we're talking about the extension of plays. Now we're talking about throwing deep down the field on those crossing routes. So it's going to be really interesting, but I, I do expect Kim Wisenhunt and the Titans to go up to Cleveland and, and, and win that game. It might not be as lopsided as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers game, but, it, but it's going to be a, a, a good game for Marcus Mariota. Once again, a learning experience. I mean, two back-to-back games on the road as a rookie quarterback to put those two wins under your belt. No, you're not playing against the elite teams in the NFL, but still, you're winning two games on the road. And to win the division, you have to be able to do that. Your defense has to travel well. You have to have a stop run game. And you have to be able to win on the road. You have to. So you know, I think they'll definitely be able uh, to do that. Also, another big game coming up, Packers. Seahawks, we'll talk more about that. But Bills, Patriots. AFC East, this is must-see TV division. So many storylines, so many characters. It's almost like they should have their own reality TV show that we should watch every week. That, that's hard knocks right there. And Rex Ryan continues to feed the rivalry. Boy, you got to love Rex Ryan. Man, you got to love Rex Ryan. King Kong, Brakowski, what do those two things have to do with one another? I tell you that next on the opposite side of this break. You listen to Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective here on Voice America Sports. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Englehart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're listening to Secondary Perspective with Nick Ferguson. To get in the lineup for today's show, please call 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to nickfergshow at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Big focus on secondary perspective. Grinkowski. King Kong. What do they have to do with one another, you ask? Well, Gronk is kind of a man amongst boys when he's out there. More like, I am Gronk. I go back to that Pittsburgh game, and everyone's talking about how the fact that Keith Butler didn't have someone covering Gronkowski. But here's the question. If they did, who might they have put on Gronkowski to cover him? And then would they have still been able to stop him? It was one of those things, and I tweeted out during the game because I remember my old teammate, uh, Shannon Sharp, uh, saying this. Uh, 
before we played, and they were playing, the, uh, I believe, the Patriots at the time. And, he, you know, Shannon is very animated. He come up, comes up with some of the best stuff. He was like, call the National Guard, call the Army, the Navy, whomever, because we're killing them. And that's exactly what Gronk does to defenders. It's just kind of, you know, amazing. And I don't know, and I talked to a couple guys I know, when we played, did we face a guy that possessed this type of size? Now, mind you, Gronk is not like a really fast guy, but he has like average speed, but he's big. He's strong, wide body. So if you try to go up and take the ball from him, that wide frame is going to prevent you from getting around his body, almost like being posted up in a low post by maybe Shaquille O'Neal. That's what it's like. That's what the defenders feel like. Like you're being posted up, posted up by Shaquille O'Neal down on a low block, and he just turns around and give you a face you. That's what it's like trying to cover the grunt. Very interesting. I like the matchup, but here's what Rex Ryan, and we all know Rex Ryan, is, you know, gives a lot of uh, talk. He gives you a lot of sound bites. Great for the media. But here's what he had to say about the possibility of facing the Patriots and Rob Gronkowski. They're, you know, they're the world champions. So I respect them uh, probably as much as any team in the league. But uh, I don't fear them. Do I wish the Patriots were in a different division? You know, yeah, probably. We're not going to ask just one guy to, hey, this is your guy. So you have to look like whoever King Kong or something. Yeah, you go, you got him. We got the Gronk. We're putting Kong on him. Do you think if we muzzled it, I'd have four Super Bowl rings? If we would, I want to say a word. Well, I'll tell you what. If King Kong could guard Gronk, that would be the only matchup right now. Because when you look at the Bills' roster and look in their secondary, you know, Aaron Williams, Corey Graham. I mean, you're talking about guys that go six feet, 5'11". The only guy that could possibly cover him because of his size, would be Bakari Rambo, a strong safety from uh, Georgia that comes over from Washington to Buffalo. And he's 6'4", 211. Now, I, I hope he eats his Wheaties and whatever else, maybe a paleo diet or something, because he's going to need all of it if he's going to start trying to stop Gronk. Because the first step is you got to stop his movement off the line of scrimmage, his vertical movement. And that's going to be hard because in today's NFL, these tight ends are given a position because of their big bodies where they can push you out of the way. Unless he extends his arms out and gives you one huge shove, how are you going to get around his body, like I said? And they do a great job of moving Gurkowski around, isolating him. So now... Rex mentioned the fact that we might put two guys on Gronkowski. So if you dedicate two guys for Gronkowski, so that means either you have to take one of your defensive ends or a linebacker or even extra DB, and if you put extra DB in, then you lose a spot somewhere else. So now he has to jam at the line of scrimmage. You have to rotate coverage over, which now means that's more isolation back on the backside for Julian Elderman and some of the other receivers for the New England Patriots. So the idea is that we're going to try to burn you either way. And Josh McDaniels has to be thinking, if that is the philosophy of Rex Ryan and how they want to approach the situation, well, we're going to find other ways to beat him. I mean, they get LeGarrette Blunt back here in the mix after uh, he was uh, suspended. So now you have to say, well, we get LeGarrette Blunt. We're going to rotate a motion Gorkowski out of the box. You're going to have to bump a guy out. 
to slow him down. If you don't get the one-on-one matchup that we want, and Tom Brady's going to go and explode that every single time. And if you move guys out of the box, maybe we can pound you inside. Maybe we can use our running backs who uh, they, they've used in the past, line them up as wide receivers. Create a formation that is very difficult for you. Go no huddle. Go empty. And one thing for the defense, they know that the ball has to come out quick. Once again, you still have to contend with Gronkowski. So I know Rex is telling his guys, look, Gronk is going to make his catches. What we need is once the, once the pass is thrown, now everyone has to get on their horse and run and redirect and get after the ball because great things happen when you chase the ball. There's always someone who's ripping and tugging at the ball. And this was the Bills team before Rex got there that was great in creating turnovers. So that's something that they definitely are going to have to do. Uh, Marcel Darius, he just you know served his, his suspension. So he'll be back for the Buffalo Bills. And everyone's buying into what Rex is selling. And that, that's a great thing I, I like about it, you know. They're buying into it. You know, the guys, hey, we're going to go out there. We're going to do our job. No, I don't like the Patriots. No, I don't like Tom Brady. Well, I mean, I, I'm sure if you polled a lot of people, they would definitely say that. They don't like Tom Brady and the Patriots. And, you know, we got our spy gate and deflate gate and all those other things as well. Oh, I'll be remiss if I didn't mention this. Uh, in light of the vacated suspension by Judge Berman last week of Tom Brady, uh, the Pages organization wanted uh, Jaminski and it's one of the guys, the equipment guys from uh, the Patriots to be reinstated. And hey, luckily and happily, the equipment guys have been reinstated. John Jaminski and Jim McNally get their jobs back. Talk about after a whirlwind, you know? Think about it. You, you have the flake game. These guys getting their job back. This back and forth conversation, you know, with Rex Ryan building this game up. Talk about, he should be a fight promoter. That's what he's, he's like a fight promoter, but he's building this game up to be really big. And just a rivalry within the division itself. I mean, he has a 4-9 record against the Pats and the Pats have pretty much dominated this division for a while. And everyone was wondering, you know, who would challenge, who would dethrone the mighty Patriots. And you are still the champs and the Kings until someone dethrone you. Can the Buffalo Bills and Tyrod Taylor do that? And Tyrod Taylor was very impressive in his uh, debut against Andrew Luck in the, in the Colts. And I thought he did a great job, once again, having, having patience, uh, pulling down, running the ball when the pocket started to break down, not looking to run the ball as his first option. And then, you know, you have to play to your defense. And he, and he did that. And what I mean by play to your defense, you know that you have a bunch of guys up front, Mario Williams, now Marcel Darius, who didn't play last week, Kyle Williams, uh, Jerry Hughes. These guys can get after the quarterback, and I'm sure Andrew Luck was pretty pretty sore after that that beating. I mean, they didn't just take a, a beating in, in the box score, but he took a pounding on the field. So I know those guys up front are going to be looking to do the same thing against the Patriots uh, this week. So a lot of quick throws. A lot of quick throws for Tom Brady. Get the ball out of his hands, establish that rhythm. And that's the one thing you have to do to make sure that pressure doesn't get to you and it helps your offensive line because they don't have to sustain their blocks uh, that often. So I'm, I'm eager to see this game. And I, I've been waiting for football season. You know, everyone loves football season. But I've been, I've been waiting for football season to see what was going to happen and this particular division, because this is definitely, you know, a fun uh, division uh, to watch. 
the Miami Dolphins. You know, so many people make this division very interesting. And I don't, I don't know if you guys watched the Miami Dolphins against the Washington Redskins and uh, Kirk Cousins, you know, did a decent job uh, in that game. But Ryan Tannehill was able to bring his squad back and, and rally them. And, uh, that job is Landry, man, that kid is something. I mean, he's going to be a breakout star. He's probably going to be like this year's Odell Beckham Jr. Probably. I mean, he may not have one of those sensational catches, but, man, he was definitely an outlet for Ryan Tannehill when things got tough for him. Lamar Miller got involved with the Jordan Cameron. I mean, Ryan Tannehill has weapons uh, around him. This, this is the thing that makes this division so interesting. Each quarterback has talent around him. They have talent on defense. And the question is, can they all bring it together? And could all those teams put good, solid games together? Four quarters, 60 minutes against the Patriots. Because I think it's going to take a collective effort on each member of the division to, to beat the Pats. I really do. I mean, say what you want to say. Every year we're always talking about the Pats are done and, and Brady and Belichick. But they lose a couple games early on as they try to Get, get their mojo going. But around week seven, that mojo starts flying. I don't know what it said. I don't know if it's that Boston clam chowder. I don't know what it is. But they always get it done. But it's going to take a collective effort to get them off of that mound. And, and I go back for a second to that Washington game. Alpha Morrison was running the ball. And he was tracked down from behind by Indomitian Sue. Everyone knows Indomitian Sue's history. And there's a play where he jumps on his back. And as he's getting up, it appears as though Indomitian Sue gave him a, a departing knee to the helmet. And Alpha Morrison, I mean, as any one of us, did not like the fact that he had to <laughs> endure something like that, and a flag was not called at all. I'm, I'm wondering even now if Dominican Sue received a FedEx in his locker uh, by the league because of that. And for all you guys that don't know, what a FedEx is is when there's a violation infraction that happens in the game. Whether the players are aware of it or not, that's, that's if the ref throws a flag or not you will receive a FedEx in your locker. So as soon as you come in, you look at your stool, your locker, and you're looking for a FedEx. If it's there, you already know what it is. They don't ask for the money. They just take it. It's like taxes. And then you have to go through this, jump through these hoops, and set up a call where you have to talk to someone. I think it's Ted Cottrell, my former defensive coordinator who's now working with the NFL, and try to explain yourself to get some of your money back or all of your money back. In most cases, it doesn't happen. And Clint Portis, one of my, my, one of my former teammates, uh, he said that he wouldn't have let Sue get away with what he did to his former teammate, Alfred Morrison. So uh, Portis said that, he would have enjoyed mixing it up with Sue and that if Sue had taken a shot like that at him, he would have been really sorry. Whoa. We've already seen fisticuffs with this Washington team in Houston, Texas in training camp, but strong words from my former teammate, uh, Clinton Portis. But when you're on the field, a man, you got to be a man. And, and Dominican Sue, to Clinton's credit, I mean, he, he has a past. He has a history of being this type of player. Remember when he, he accidentally stepped on Aaron Rodgers' leg? Oh, I didn't know I was, I didn't know I was sitting there. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to take my, my cleats and put, them, put these divots in your calf. I thought that was a turf. So when you have a history like that, these type of things follow you. They know who you are. So I'm wondering what's going to happen in this next game to see if the officials are in fact going to be watching 
and Dominican Sue to see what's going to happen. And that same Washington Redskins team that I'm speaking of hosting the St. Louis Rams, the same team that I picked to win the NFC West, started off in great fashion last week. A team that they always play tough. They just didn't have a quarterback to kind of that knew how to win in tight situations. But they've always had a great defense. But they were able to get it done against the Seattle Seahawks, and it was a great game. I mean, when you when you have to go to a fourth and one, knowing that you know who's going to get the ball. Beastmo is going to get the ball, and you stand tall and you stop him. That's big. That's big for the Rams. So the Rams are going to take that aggressive Greg Williams defense that features Chris Long, Aaron Donald, Michael Brockers, and Robert Quinn. And they're going to get after Kirk Cousins. They're really going to have to get after Kirk Cousins. And Last week, RG3, or Robert Griffin III, because he's not RG3 right now because he's on the sideline. If Robert Griffin, who did not play last week, we can expect him to possibly play in this game because that front seven is going to get after Kirk Cousins. And if he doesn't do well, then it's going to be Colt McCoy. Or it could be Robert Griffin. I don't know, but I know whichever guy is under center, I hope he's well hydrated because he's going to do a lot of running. And our offensive line is going to have to do a great job of picking up the blitz. Coming up after the break, we will talk a little more NFL, NFL injuries, and wow, week one. We've had several season-ending injuries. We'll talk about that in more after this break. You'll listen to Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective, as always, here on Voice America Sports. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. I just think that the coach made a mistake. All crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Check your feelings at the door and enter the Man Cave. Don't let the name fool you, because we're here for anybody that wants to talk and listen in. Hosts J.D. Harris and Ray Austin are here to lead the forum from the fans, former players, owners, execs, and coaches. While inside the Man Cave, you do whatever you like. We won't judge. We'll even go beyond sports to talk technology, current events, and entertainment. Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to Secondary Perspective with Nick Ferguson. To get in the lineup for today's show, please call 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or send an email to nickfergshow at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Nick Ferguson, secondary perspective here on Thursday. Big game, Thursday night football tonight. The Denver Broncos travel to a place 
that has been pretty much a thorn in his side. Even when I played there, uh, Mike Shanahan, this organization, has had a tough time winning uh, at Arrowhead. And now they travel on a short week. And what has dominated a lot of conversation in, in sports, I'll just say football, i just call it that, is the fact of how the Broncos won on a defensive effort. Uh, Aqib Tlaib, pick six of Joe Flacco and Darren Stewart, former Baltimore Ravens safety, intercepting a pass as the Ravens tried to make a late rally. No touchdowns on either side was scored. No touchdowns at all. And, and, And you normally don't expect that and a game that features Tom Brady and Joe Flacco. But when you when you are the Baltimore Ravens and you don't really have any offensive weapons, uh, your top draft choice, Bashard Perriman, he did not play in that game due to injury. No more Dennis Pitta. Uh, Justin Forsett is your running back, who I thought, you know, he always does a, does a great job. But you have to have other weapons uh, around you to kind of help you out. Uh, maybe a tight end that can threaten the seam, uh, that will pull those safeties back. But they don't seem to have that. So there's no Torrey Smith to stretch the field. There's no Jacoby Jones. It's just... Steve Smith, a very short man in stature, but just like a Rex Ryan, I mean, he can sell those wolf tickets, can he? But also he can back them up, but that's when he has other guys opposite. But right now, he doesn't have that. And going into that game, I guess no one really thought that it was going to be a defensive effort the way that it was, but it became a defensive effort, and people were saying that Oh, you know, Peyton Manning is done. He can't throw the ball, this and that and the other. I'm like, did you watch the game? Because that's what happens. When expectations are really high for a particular player or organization, there's always these knee-jerk reactions to certain things. You know, Peyton had some games uh, last year and the year before that when they won games and he didn't throw a lot of touchdowns. Last year... He threw, I believe it's 15 interceptions and the back half of the season. So to me, I don't like to overthink these things. I'll look at it as being, okay, it's the first week. And if you look around the NFL, you know, let's talk about what we saw. A lot of quarterbacks didn't have great days, statistically, as they would normally have being in mid-season form. And so much I hear about Peyton Manning's arm and him getting older and arms, just all of that. See, to me, when you when you know football and you watch football, the same people who talk about, well, he's like an arm strength, so he must be done. The same people who are talking about, hey, this guy's a gunslinger. He has an NFL arm, so that must mean that he's going to be a great NFL quarterback. We know that's a lot. Jay Cutler, NFL on. Turnover machine. To me, what does, what does happen, it's kind of a natural progression. As you get older, certain things are going to change. You're going to develop as a player. Even the great Michael Jordan, when he came in, into the NBA, he was a dunker. He realized if he wanted to have longevity in the game, he had to develop all around game. That, that that turnaround fade jump shot, sinking the 12, 16-footer, he had to start working on an all-around game. So no matter what position you play, you just have to learn how to adjust. I think Peyton is trying to adjust to the new, new scheme of Gary Kubiak, and they didn't run the ball that well in the first half uh, of the game. Uh, not, it was not until the second half Terrell Suggs who's out for the season with that torn Achilles, 
it seemed like after he went out, that changed what they were able to do up front. And the Broncos were able to find some success. And, and I went back and I, and I watched the Patriots game. I went back and I watched Drew Brees against the Arizona Cardinals. These are t- two other quarterbacks, might, might I add, who historically they don't have strong arms. You're not going to see them throw a 40, 50-yard pass down the field consistently. That, that's not who they are. But if you look at the type of offenses that they're in, Josh McDaniels and Sean Payton, it is a short, quick game, bunch formations, 11 personnel. Maybe you may get a little 21 in there. But it's those comeback routes, those over routes. And if you're the Patriots, excuse me, not the Patriots, but the Saints, it's those quick screen routes, the same routes that made Darren Sproles famous. Looks like a run, but it's a pass. So I'm not going to go overboard when I look at Peyton Manning and say, well, like everyone else, ah, his age, he missed a couple of throws. Yeah, should we expect him to make those throws when some of those wide receivers were open? He missed Emmanuel Sanders on both ends of the field uh, when he was open. He threw a ball at Emmanuel Sanders' feet on one of those crossing routes. Okay, he was, in, he was unsuccessful doing that. So what? A lot of quarterbacks are. But that, that comes with the territory. You paid Manning. People expect for you to do those kind of things and be that consistent. So I'm not too worried about it. Uh, I don't think it's time to panic. Knee-jerk reaction. People want, individuals want to panic. I'm not going to panic. I want to see how they're going to perform on the road on a short week. That, that's going to be the thing. Uh, Demaris Thomas, his hand, he has a hand issue. C.J. Anderson has a toe and an ankle injury. Uh, but good thing for the Broncos, they have Ronnie Hillman and Juwan Thompson. So those two guys, if C.J. Anderson can't go or he is limited, uh, they're going to have to do their best Jamal Charles rendition. Because they're going to have to run the ball effectively in Kansas City. Kansas City is a loud place. And when you're talking about playing on a short week, limited preparation, now you lose one day because now you have to travel. So that means the Broncos' game plan is not going to change that much. Limited time for the opposition to watch film, but at the same time, Take the film that you have and know as though the Broncos aren't going to change up too much. They may have one or two wrinkles in there, but they're not going to change up that much. And the Broncos didn't have success running outside on the edges because the Ravens were so stout. Now, hostile environment, short week, some of your key players banged up. Now you face... Two more talented outside pass rushers, Justin Houston and Tom Ali. Peyton Manning took some shots in that game, and you don't want to have Peyton standing in that pocket taking those shots. So he has to have that clock in his head, that internal clock. He's got to get that rhythm, get the ball out of his hands for his receivers. So once again, we're going to see the quick passes. Because isn't that what the NFL is? Putting the ball in the hands of your playmakers and allowing them to make plays. I mean, you, you can go through a five-step, seven-step drop. That means your offensive line has to do a great job of holding those blocks to let those routes develop downfield. And with these edge rushes being so quick, I don't think so. I mean, you got to get the ball out of your hands. So that's what I'm saying. Can the Broncos go through a whole season like this? Probably. Could they go through a whole season without throwing an explosive play? Maybe not. But one thing I know from watching football and playing, coaches can manufacture whatever they want. I mean, a deep over route, a cross-country route, 
I mean, that's kind of explosive plays, 20-plus yards. So, eh, no time to panic. Let's, let's see what happens after this game, see if we see the same thing in Peyton Manning uh, as we saw against the Baltimore Ravens. Is he a little more in groove with his wide receiver? Because remember, he didn't play a lot in the preseason. And we even saw a lot of guys a little rusty. Sam Bradford, rusty against the Falcons. Adrian Peterson, rusty against his debut against the 49ers. So you have to get in there and get a little playing time and find that rhythm. So we'll have to see what happens uh, with, with these uh, these players. So I'm going to give a couple of picks before you know we get out of here and set you guys up for this weekend. So, of course, I gave you my early pick early on. I'm going to take the Titans over the Browns. I'm going to take the Broncos in a hostile environment, a place that's very difficult to play on a short week. You know, I'm going to take the Broncos over the Chiefs because uh, I believe the Broncos' defense so much better than they were uh, last year, uh, collectively better than uh, the Chiefs' defense, and considering the fact that Alex Smith hasn't thrown a touchdown to a wide receiver. So I'm going to take the Broncos uh, in that game. Panthers over the Texans. I don't even need to explain that because that is self-explanatory because the Texans are switching at quarterback. They don't know who's going to be their quarterback. Brian Hoyer, Ryan Mallett. Uh, we'll, we'll see if they change by the first quarter. Also in the Cowboys-Eagles game, I'm going to take the Eagles at home. And Eagles fans hate the Cowboys, so that should make it uh, that much sweeter. Seattle at Green Bay. Definitely impressed with James Jones. If you don't and you haven't picked him up on your fantasy team, I guess you better pick him up and play him against the Seahawks because no fail Mary here, no Cam Chancellor either. So I see this team getting off to a fast start. Last year when they when they went to visit Seattle, they should have won that game. They did not. They let him off the hook, but I don't think they're going to allow that to happen this time. The Falcons at the Giants. I'm going to go with the Falcons. After watching Dan Quinn's off defense, rather, do something I hadn't seen them do in a while, and that's get after the quarterback. They're going to get after Eli Manning and make his job, his life, a miserable hell. So those are my picks for this week coming up. Have a great week, college football, NFL. Enjoy your weekend. And as always, treat your fellow man kind and do unto others as you want others to do unto you. And that is my secondary perspective. Justin, thank you for keeping things running smoothly. And until next week, I'm Nick Ferguson. This is Secondary Perspective, and I'm gone. Thanks again for stopping by. Be sure to catch Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. in the West on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll share some more great stories next week.